Welcome to the Vigor Life Podcast, a source of inspiration, lessons, stories, skill sets, mindsets, and strategies to invigorate and expand all areas of your life. Let's go. What is going on? Vigor Life Podcast is back. And uh, today, an exciting guest. And exciting because I really, so I was at the Evolve uh, Strength Symposium in Edmonton speaking and walked in a little bit late because I had a call to this presentation from Dr. Crystal. And I was just like, ooh, notes. Uh, and I'm like, I, I, I got to have her on the show. And and so this this is how I'm, I'm glad that it's happening today because myself, I'm very curious about this topic. Um, so many of the coaches that I talked to, I asked these questions and I can be honest that I'm not like a, an expert on it or can dive deep into it. So this was perfect. And we're going to talk about a lot of stuff, yeah. but um, yeah. we're definitely going to talk about weight loss drugs, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, the great, yeah. all those, yeah. all of those things. <laughs> and um, and I'm, I can't be more excited. So welcome on the show. Honored to have you on the show. Super excited about this conversation. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a really, uh, it's, it's a an awesome opportunity to really be able to talk uh, from all perspectives and all sides, you know, being a physician, being a patient, being somebody who's been in the fitness space, either as a consumer and also as somebody who's contributed, like, you know, for the last, you know, 10 plus years or so, um, I, you know, figured now is sort of the time, like, I feel okay, like to you know, share, share my story, but also share the things that I have learned um, and incorporated um, along the way. And well, th this is what yeah. was, was really cool too, is that, and I wanted to hit all the different angles because you have uh, a lot of, I would say, not just knowledge, but experiences from different angles, right? And just maybe for the audience, uh, a little bit about like what got you to, I would say in the medical space, yeah. what got you into the fitness, you know, lifting space, and yeah. because this is what I love, like yeah. you're, I'm going to say like, you're one of us. Uh, and, and I think it's, it's a much different, you know, when you can have a person uh, that's, and, and also what you're sure is that, that, that you're using the medicine and getting all those different perspectives, I think it's so much more powerful. Um, and th that's why I was so excited about it. Cause I feel like you have multiple perspectives versus just like one. Right. And then sometimes yeah. that can be a little bit skewed. Either yeah. way, right? Either way. Yeah. Um, coaches are great at, at, at talking shit about, you know, <laughs> having one viewpoint. So yeah. so that's yeah. why I love love having these conversations. But if you share that, that'd be great because I think it'd be powerful for people to know your story Ooh. a little bit. Ooh, where do we start? Um, you know, uh, yes, I uh, am uh, board certified in family medicine uh, is my specialty. And then I did a one-year fellowship in sports medicine. So I've worked with athletes um, of all varieties, uh, college D1 level, pro level, um, high school level. Um, and, but I didn't start off like the straight and narrow path. I sort of, um, you know, took some time in undergrad and wanted to, uh, very, a long time ago, I was completely out of shape. I, when I was an undergrad, I was smoking a lot of cigarettes and I had, um, kind of because of this insatiable hunger that I always had anytime I tried to diet, I decided that uh, foolishly that um, I wanted to be number one in academics. And in order to do that, I was just going to have to like give up exercise. I was going to have to give up, you know, trying to diet. So I just let, you know, I just did my thing, let my hunger kind of, you know, take over. And um, I did very well if on paper, um, you know, did organic chemistry. I was a math major. 
uh, or minor and wanted to go into um, organic chemistry as a PhD and professor, make big molecules, maybe work in pharmaceutical industry, making drugs of all different types. But, you know, I it was like 2006. I was 4'11". I was 198 pounds. I was untrained. I was smoking a pack a day. Um, I get to Wisconsin for grad school and I was like, you know what? This really isn't a sustainable lifestyle. I got to do something different, right? So I quit smoking cold turkey. That was okay. And then I spent like a couple of years just slowly trying to build healthier habits, like trying to eat a vegetable, like trying to get <laughs> like, I just, I, I've told the story before, like my first, um, cause when you stop smoking, um, your taste buds change, um, mm -hmm. you're you, like, everything tastes delicious. And so, um, in order to get like used to like vegetables, because I, like when I tell you I ate takeout at every single meal as an undergrad, like I, you know, gas station, restaurant, whatever, nothing had vegetables in it. I would like grill up some vegetables and like slap it between two pieces of wheat bread with some like light mayo on it. And like, that was it. Like that was like, we're starting from the best progress here. right there. Like that compared to what I was eating before those 100% progress. And so, um, got into running because Everybody in grad school in the Midwest was all about triathlons and to running. Madison was a beautiful space, uh, tried a half marathon. And then afterwards, I was like, you know what? That's just not really my jam. Um, you know, my toes are coming off my, <laughs> like, I just, I, I didn't have the physique that I really wanted. So I started, uh, I picked up a book weightlifting for running and I really liked the weights. And so I just sort of kept at it. Um, I uh, mentioned, um, you know, Krista Scott Dixon was talking yep. this weekend. I looked at stumptuous.com and I looked at the exrx.net website. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> Those are the two and strong lifts five by five. And then from there on, it was like powerlifting, you know, weightlifting. I left grad school um, because I decided I wanted a career change. So I um, taught chemistry for a brief minute before going to med school and then went into uh, med school in about 10 years ago, um, took an extra year to teach at the med school, um, which was, you know, just sort of delayed things. And then from there, family med and sports med. So kind of here we are uh, <laughs> a little 20, 20 year. <laughs> that was a quickie. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, but that's that's I think that's a powerful thing, too, because. Again, if you are able to gel your own experiences of ups and downs, obviously, yeah, and then getting into the field and, you know, being able to look from both perspectives, I I, I do feel like, uh, you know, I, whether it might sound like it's overplayed, but in coaching, you know, mm -hmm. compassion, empathy and understanding is like, if you don't have that, like, I, I yeah. don't know if you can really be a great coach, to be honest with you, yeah. you know, you, you can be great technically. So, so I, I think that that is really kind of um an important thing. And that's why I wanted you to share the story. But before even like, because you talked about this at the event. And yeah. by the way, like I was kind of like, oh, interesting. <laughs> you know, just the history yeah. of weight loss drugs. Yeah. Um, briefly, because it, I do think that it matters for where we are today. And, you know, it, people will say this is not like a mystery. The situation from a standpoint of obesity and, and overweight in, in America is not yeah. great. And I, so I do think that kind of that history of weight loss drugs helps also to where we are today. But if you could share that, because that was uh, very insightful oh. for me, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So it really started, um, uh, you know, uh, 
started back, you know, thousands of years ago. But like even then, though, people were just sort of guessing like uh, at one point, uh, I think some of the royals um, used apple cider vinegar, kind of saw that at one point. It's like, oh, we're still using that. Still today around for, today. <laughs> right. Like it's st stood the test of time. But um, thyroid hormone was uh, uh, one of the first sort of rational, uh, you know, treatments to sort of combat weight uh, weight gain. Um, people with actual hypothyroidism, if you let it progress and get progressively worse, people, you know, put on weight, their their faces get really puffy. And if they gave them this sort of thyroid hormone elixir, you know, the, it treated their hypothyroidism. But the problem is, is if you give it to normal people who have normal functioning thyroids, you end up with the opposite, which is your thyroid hyperthyroidism or your too much thyroid hormone. And that can lead to a whole host of other, you know, medical issues like, you know, uh, heart problems. Um, you know, mainly the biggest thing is heart problems. Um, the, if you're taking, you know, exogenous, uh, you know, thyroid medication. Um, and then it wasn't really until the um, 1930s and 1940s that amph amphetamine came around. Um, it was like a big, uh, you know, they used it, you inhale it uh, previously for, you know, to clear up your sinuses, so to speak. And um, in World War II, they, all the soldiers were using it. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Hitler stack. Um, so basically methyl not. test, methyl test, um, aspirin and amphetamine. Uh, like, you know, you want to keep, you know, you keep your soldiers sharp. You want to keep them aggressive. Like, so I heard of that, but I didn't hear it being called a Hitler stack. Uh, you know, I, I didn't See? actually, uh, you know, that was kind of, gosh, I think I heard that from Mike because we were chatting at that <laughs> at one point. It, they didn't necessarily call that, uh, you know, describe it as that um, in the uh, literature that I was looking at. But it seems to make sense. Right. Like uh, a lot of the Nazis were also using that um, that type, that regimen to kind of keep their keep their soldiers, you know, on onward and upward, mm -hmm. <laughs> so to speak. Um but uh, amphetamines really made uh, its debut uh, as a weight loss drug with the rainbow pills in the 1960s. And um, it's really interesting how they knew that like marketing became a real big thing with like trying to get people to use these. So the rain, like the different colors, like I'm going to take this pill in the morning and then I'm going to take this pill at night and it's a different color. And um, they, the manufacturers actually did talk about how like it's going to be really important to like, you know, appease everybody. And it just seems very inviting rainbow pill. It's just a very nice, yeah. you know, very nice thing to to take. But um, it had a, a lot of amphetamines. It had some thyroid meds. It had some uh, diuretics to like make you pee out all your water because why not? Like we need to get rid of all the weight possible. And then um, the other sets of pills would have things like barbiturates or like downers, so to speak, because, you know, after you've been taking amphetamine and you've been up all day, you really need to like and you really need to like bring yourself down at night. And um, it really wasn't until there was the uh, investigative journalist at Life who went around um, and the investigative journalist uh, did not have um, obesity. She was actually told at a couple different points when she visited these uh, weight loss clinics, um, you know, you're actually not obese. You probably don't need these medications. But after going to 10 different clinics, ended up with 1500 of these rainbow pills. So Jeez. people were just handing them out like candy because, you know, doctor's offices wanted to make money. And it seemed like everybody was sort of lining up to, you know, 
to get these uh, weight loss meds, whether they needed them or not. Um, and then um, the other piece that really kind of cracked down on the uh, rainbow pills was um, the U.S. Senate had started to do an investigation and started to link uh, the deaths of a couple of women um, in regards to and started to link that to the use of these rainbow pills. I mean, you know, you're taking thyroid hormone, you're taking diuretics when you don't need diuretics, you're taking, you know, amphetamines, like all of that can have a huge effect on your heart. Um, you know, uh, probably the biggest thing I keep coming back down around to that. Um, you know, I've seen I've been around to some of the, you know, uh, sort of cardiovascular effects of what amphetamines can do to people. Um, and it's not a pretty sight, um, you know, it raises blood pressure, you can have a stroke. Um, and those are, you know, not really fun things to have. So now I was going to say not the greatest side effects. I mean, yeah. even when you say about that stack, it's like, I, you know, I was going to I was going to crack a joke. And there's been in time in my life where I did stupid stuff and partying. And I'm like, that sounds like a party stack in some ways. Oh, um, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Uh, but I don't know about if you <laughs> if you do that long term, how that's going to pan out. Like I can I can probably say that's not a good good thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, they uh, it's, um, you know, but when people really want that thing, right, they want that like short term, that outcome, like people will do almost anything at times to get there. Um, so I'm not, um, you know, well, one hand it is. Yeah. But yeah, no, but that's I mean, this this is why I think this conversation is so important, right? Because you have this and I and I think there are multiple people that that instantly go to, you know, uh pharma and marketing and just trying to make the money. And of course, like look, medicine is we've got things that save lives and we've got things that are overprescribed and probably marketed the wrong way for profits. Yeah. And it it's kind of like the essentially, you know, the gray area in the haze, like what's true, what's not true. Right. And even as you kind of hear the 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 history of some of the weight loss drugs, you know, coming to today, right. where we are, where it becomes um, essentially like, uh, what I'm going to say, right? Uh, semi-glutide. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah semi-glutide yeah. that like, it was kind of discovered through, you know, it was, it was diabetes yeah. um, treatment. And now it's like, you know, uh, of course, touted as the miracle weight loss drugs, but there's positives there's maybe some things are not that positive but that that's where you know i really kind of want to dig in with you yeah. about just like what were your initial thoughts you know yeah. uh about it and yeah. and then now not only studying it uh using prescribing all of those different things uh and kind of almost looking from if if possible from the different perspectives like yeah. yourself yeah. uh as well as somebody that's essentially kind of coaching and guiding yeah. you know what you feel about it from from the beginning to now, um, your thoughts around it? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, I'm still a relatively fresh practitioner. Like, um, I'm still like I graduated um, residency in 2020, so during the COVID pandemic. So I haven't been, you know, I. Um, so the when I was in residency, I guess the biggest thing was uh, Saxenda or Liraglutide for weight loss. And so I remember actually, you know, my biggest, uh, most experiences with the GLP-1 drugs, which is where, you know, uh, semaglutide and uh, Liraglutide all sort of fall into that class. 
was with diabetes. And um, it was, uh, and to be honest, um, sometimes the very rare times that I would try to prescribe Saxenda for weight loss, they always would get rejected by insurance. And that would just sort of be the end of that conversation. So um, and then with diabetes, it was just sort of like, oh, well, this does the best job at lowering A1C for and improving blood sugar for people. So I do remember really trying to push for um, this class of medications for um, all diabetics. And I know that at least with the diabetic population and no matter, you know, if it's um you know, kind of a middle class or, you know, kind of working at like a federally qualified health center where you have people who, you know, uh, come from all over who don't have money. It's, you know, cash pay, like, you know, a pretty low, uh, low income area. Um, more often than not, the needle thing, the needle phobia is sort of like the biggest uh, mm. kind of hurdle because nobody, everybody lo- Pill is totally okay, but Easy. when it comes yep. to diabetes or just any medication, take you know the the whole needle thing. You have to like twist it. You have to like hold it in into your skin. You have to like inject it, and then you have to wait. Like it just there's so many moving parts to that. Like mm. even that is a challenge in and of itself because there are so many points at, at administering the drug that can go wrong. And I've seen go wrong with people um, when, and that's also why communication is really important um, because, you know, one little, you know, misinterpretation, or if you didn't explain things right, uh, things can go really South really quickly. Um, so yeah, I didn't think about that, but that's, that's certainly a, uh, you know, for somebody that's taken things through the needle and it's, pretty much becomes one of those things where it's like, yeah, if you don't have a phobia against that, but honestly, most people I talk to do, let alone administering it themselves. Cause that's, I think you go to a doctor, you get it. It's like, Oh, I don't like this, but okay. But then it's like, Hey, I want you to do this every day. Um, and it's like, Whoa, hold hold up. Do you have any pills? (laughs) Can I, can I take it? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. In, but okay. From, from that standpoint though, because, um, I know it's, I mean, even, uh, just talking to a friend, yeah. Pretty much if it's not prescribed, it's expensive. I mean, it's talking about like it's a thousand dollars per month. Uh, I mean, I'm just looking at through Washington yeah. state. Yeah. So, you know, how it is majority of, um, again, for people that choose it for weight loss, for yeah. obesity, is it out of pocket? And it, it, I mean, obviously I don't know for every state, but um, is that kind of, it, it leans towards that? So that is a really great question. I wish I had a very um, thoughtful answer because um, every insurance company is different. Every insurance company in every state is different. And then I guess there is a particular clause in certain insurance plans that may or may not cover obesity medication. So trying to navigate that the insurance company as a patient who was recommended uh, looking into semaglutide um, uh, from my end uh, was a nightmare just because I couldn't find anything in my insurance uh, covering it. So um, mostly I, I, I pay out of pocket for it. And I feel like most people, if they do not have diabetes, um, it has been sort of a mixed bag of, you know, paying out of pocket, Um, very rarely do I, uh, see some encounter a patient who has insurance with that obesity medication coverage 
at plan um, and has it covered. So um, a lot of times other people, um, including physicians, by the way, um, have been going to places that have compounding pharmacies. Mm -hmm. Um, so they're not necessarily getting like the, uh, Eli Lilly or the Novo Nordisk, you know, pharmaceutical company, they go through a compounding pharmacy that has, um, you know, that will create it and you have to like, I guess, find a, I don't know if it comes in a vial. I don't think it comes in like the same type of uh, pen that um, Eli Lilly or Novo Nordisk, like the pharmaceutical companies have. I think it's a little bit different, but it's still yeah. you have to administer it with an injection. Actually, I can answer that question because oh. of a couple of friends that did exactly that. And okay. yes, you have to kind of like figure okay. it out for yourself. Yeah. And, but this is, you know, and especially for these two, because uh, semi-glutide, I mean, most people know it as a Zempic or, and mm-hmm. I think it's Wagovi. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll go over yeah. and yeah. It, but you know why like for instance why is there again I, i'm just also from the, the a lot of the side of especially like the coaching side the fitness side yeah why is there i, I guess a um a resistance against uh weight loss drugs and I, I, that's what i'm really really interested in on from the standpoint of even you know if people are talking with you and mm-hmm. maybe maybe they are a good candidate for it and we'll talk a little bit more about yeah. that yeah. But there's a stigma, right? Like mm-hmm. there's a oh, stigma yeah. around like yes. if you take this, then you are cheating. Um, and again, this, I'm mm-hmm. I'm interested in this, right? But yeah. why is there such a, a I would say, why why are people against weight loss drugs? Ah, oh, man, yeah, you know, definitely hit the nail on the head. Um, I guess at least from a patient perspective, and this is something that I struggled with for about a year, a year and a half before I decided to sort of bite the bullet and go for it. Because initially when um, my previous doctor, Spencer Nadolsky, he was the one who was like, hey, I I know he's he's great. He's amazing. And I'm so happy that he's doing, um, you know, he's with Sequence and really trying to promote this stuff because he does great work. Um, He recommended he was like, I think you would be a good fit. I think you'd be a good candidate. And I was in the middle of COVID, you know, I was taking care of athletes during fellowship. I was miserable and I just didn't have the bandwidth to really think about it um, at the time. And I just kind of just put it off. I was like, eh, you know, insurance isn't covering it. Like, eh, I'll come back to it. But there was this, at least for me, it just felt like, am I really, am I cheating? I, I really thought like, is this cheating? Um, like, why don't I have the willpower? Like, because there's always this thing in the fitness community about like, oh, willpower, like you have to earn, like, you know, muscles are earned or your physique is earned. And, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, you're, you know, utilizing help. You're taking the easy way out. And I really thought that for a very long time. Um, but then I thought about all the people who can just so easily walk into a restaurant order something like reasonably healthy, eat like maybe 75, 80% of that meal or and stop and feel like, okay, I'm done. And just sort of walk away from it, take it, take it home, like not feel obligated or compelled or compulsed to, you know, or still have hunger. Like I'm still hungry. Um, it just, um, you know, I, I felt like at one point I just sort of like, Am I being mindful? Am I drinking my water? Am I eating slowly? You know, taking taking two sips of water with every, you know, fucking bite. Like, 
Sorry. <laughs> Just... <laughs> no, no, you're good. You're good here. Okay. Um, and it really wasn't until I saw my um, my husband, Mike, uh, compete in a bodybuilding show and see how ravenous his hunger is and how deranged, like, you know, after a bodybuilding show, your hunger is just completely out of control. Yeah. And I started to think like, you know, if we're okay with sort of realizing that his hunger is out of control, yes, granted it's self-imposed, like, and what if my level of hunger is about the same as that, except me trying to lose five, maybe 10 pounds, like not doing anything extreme. What if my biology just, you know, that's just what I've been dealt with. And why is it that I need to grit through everything? Like I can't focus at work mm -hmm. because I'm chewing on my fingernails hungry. Um, I, I've gone through like there have been times where I've been actually heavier trying to lose a small amount of weight um, where I, I like would have to put all of my day's food into one container and sort of like eat it all at once during the day so I could get through my day so I can teach classes so I can study and learn. Um, and then the rest of the time would just be this mind numbing, like miserable experience where I would be up at night, you know, uh, and, and these cal caloric deficits aren't like anything close to things that I've seen, you know, for like bodybuilding or bikini shows, like not not even close. So I, I just, you know, I was like, well, maybe, you know, there is this biological component and, you know, maybe I don't have like the greatest genetics in terms of hunger signaling. But, you know, um, uh, I'm gonna get just give it a shot like why not what's the worst at this point what's the worst that can happen if something doesn't change like I'm just always gonna be miserable and I'm always gonna be hungry and always having this like um kind of noise in my head like going out to dinner it would always be like okay I can't eat too much I have to be mindful of my portions I have to like make sure I have like water and make sure I eat slowly and make sure that like you know I'm not like shoveling food in my face but I'm really hungry right now so I need to pay attention to this conversation that's going on while we're waiting for the food to to arrive but all I can think about right now is the food to arrive because I am hungry as shit and I like can't stop and so it's um, I know that they describe it as sort of food noise. And it wasn't until, you know, I did start the medication that like I all these things that like I had been working on, all these habits that I had been building up for years leading up to this point, really just it made it so much easier. Like I can actually live my life. I can do I can be productive at work. I can, you know, do the things that I want to do and, and and not worry about like my hunger. Stopping here for a second because I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Vergaro. And check this out. So last year I went to speak at Iconic 22, which is an event that Vergaro puts on. Didn't quite know anything about them. Absolutely fell in love with the way that I was treated. And I was like, man, if they treat me like this, how are they treating their clients? So I started digging into their company, their software, and I was absolutely blown away to a degree that I started recommending it. We're starting to use it and it's on a whole nother level. 
So it's the leading in booking and management app for any size business, whether you're a solopreneur, you own a single gym or you own multiple gym locations. And again, they're also a new partner of Vigor Life Podcast. And we're gonna keep bringing you more insight and knowledge to help you reach your business goals, both physically and fiscally, right? So keep tuning in, tell a friend, because this year we're taking it to new levels. And if you wanna check them out and get a free month of their software, trust me, it's the best I've seen around. Check out their website, vagaro.com forward slash pro. Again, check out their website, vagaro.com forward slash pro. You can get a free month. This is going to be the best management system you've ever used, CRM you've ever used, billing system you've ever used. This this is so interesting. And, and because a couple of things that I wanted to unpack yeah. here, the way that you said it. it so a conversation literally days ago I had with uh, my, my friend, Joel Jameson, and it's yeah. around, you know, he talks a lot about uh, longevity and heart health and everything else. Yeah. And, you know, that, yes, some people are given kind of like the genetic lottery yeah. and, you know, you don't do shit and you go do your blood work or even, you know, you may be overweight, you do your blood work and it looks great. Right. Yeah. And then some people uh, may be leaner yeah. and work really hard on it and you go do your blood work and you're like, your blood work is shit. So yeah. you, like, you're going to have, like, unfortunately, it's like, you're like one person, you're going to have to do less yeah. to, to have these markers and be healthy, maybe much less. Yeah. And this person is going to have to do more. Just just like there is, uh, you know, they found that like living up to 90 years old could be a lot of personal choices. But to be over 100, it's, all, it's like a lot of it is genetics. Right. Yeah. yeah and yeah. it sounds and, and what you're sharing, because certain things I can't relate to necessarily. Yeah. And I feel like, uh, you know, I munch on food a lot. But some of the things that you're sharing, I haven't had those experiences. Right. Yeah. So so yeah. from my perspective, it ends up being like uh no, I don't know what you're talking about, but that's the, that's the thing, right? Just yeah. like, um, you know, I, I've seen some people that, you know, haven't lifted much weights, but they, in NFL, right. Yeah. And it's kind of like, yeah. uh, and you're like, what the hell? Yeah. It's genetic freaks. Right. And mm -hmm. to, but when we talk about this, I think th this is why it's so important as part of the conversation, yeah. because you go like, well, for me, yeah. like this is, was super helpful. Yeah. And, and, and that's what, this is kind of what leads into this actually uh, part of the conversation, right? Because, you know, what is it like taking it? And because one of my, my, my friends that took it and said, and by the way, almost to a degree um, as a test, not necessarily that he needed it so much yeah. uh, and said, man, my hunger was absolutely gone. Meaning yeah. like, I don't have no, any desire to eat necessarily. Right. Um, yeah. And, and it was harder for him to even, you know, like where you'd go like, oh, let me get X, Y, Z amount of protein in because I want to maintain my muscle. Like, I don't feel like eating it. So yeah. I'd, I'd love your perspective, but then yeah. also uh, kind of diving into the, you know, getting on it, getting off of it. Uh, yeah. Does it make sense? And what do you do if you get off of it? Uh, yeah. I'd love that perspective. Yeah, the, uh, um, the, um, gosh, with, um, getting on it uh the the hard part um and i think this is you know where some people kind of get a little stuck is um because i had all this sort of knowledge about um how to structure my diet how maintenance periods hypochloric you know periods muscle gain periods um uh, the um the uh the way that the dosing schedule works is like you start off at a very small dose and it's really not supposed to do anything for you it's really for um you know to get used to the side effects because the yep. biggest side effects is nausea uh vomiting maybe diarrhea like all that gi stuff 
And I remember taking that very small dose, like the 0.25 milligrams a week. And I was like, this is great. Like, this is great. I could probably stop here. Like, I probably don't need any more of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, they have this like schedule where it's like, oh, we're going to just put you on, you know, what is it? 2.5 milligrams a week, which is the like end dose, the dose that you're supposed to end at for weight, ma- weight loss. And I'm just wondering how like, you know, um, I-, I said no. I was like, no, I-, I like this drug, but I'm not I'm not doing 2.5. Like the side effects just aren't worth it. And I also am just fine here. So I, I don't take less. I don't take any more than like, what, 0.75, maybe one milligram a week. Um and the hard part with um, the Wagovi uh, pens, um, it's it's nice in that the pens are uh, predetermined, like they're single use pens. So you actually don't have to click to get the dosing right. So it's one less place where a patient can screw up. You literally just open it, twist, you know, twist the um, screw the uh, needle, the tiny little needle on and then just in auto inject, wait for five, six seconds and be done with it uh, with Ozempic, which is the you know, one FDA approved for type two diabetes, it actually has a dial. So you click like how much uh, medication you want delivered is dependent upon how many clicks you Mm -hmm. have. And so that becomes, you know, unfortunately that becomes a huge advantage if you're trying to titrate your dose, whether it is for type two diabetes or for obesity. And to be honest, um, I know that uh, people have gotten a lot of flack um, in physician groups and also, you know, uh, in the medical space, because I know that there is a, uh, a or was a shortage that people, you know, that the companies are working on. Um, but I know that that was a big thing for um, Ozempic is, um, you know, that uh, a lot of guilt from uh, providers like, you know, like, oh, you really need to save this drug for, you know, those who need it most. And so which has its all own other tangent that like I have yeah. some feelings about because it's like, who, where do we, you know, who, how do you decide who needs it more than others? Like who is more worthy of this than, you know, say somebody else? Like, does it, do they have to be lying on their deathbed uh, in order to receive this drug or, you know, or what? So a lot of people just, you know, kind of blather off into the social media space Um in regards to what they think should actually happen. And it's like, yeah, it's another reason why I've been really silent about, uh, you know, uh, being on this medication because I knew I was going to get a lot of flack from the medical community of like, oh, you're taking it away from diabetics who need it most. And it's like, mm. uh, am I though? One person <laughs> I am, but one person and how many diabetics do we have in the United States? Right. So. Yeah. See, that's fascinating. But, but also like here, here's what, I found really interesting. So when you're like, Hey, like I like this dose, I'm good. Yeah. So what, you know, where does that can, can a lot of people too, because you're, you're knowledgeable and and you, mm-hmm. you also are kind of in both spaces Yeah. for a person that's like, okay, well that, that this is what I should do, but I feel good on, you know, uh, 0.5, you yeah. know, uh, of milligrams, for example. And then it's like, yeah, but the schedule is to get you to, you know, 2.5. <laughs> um, do they know, you know, d- does a person that's not educated about it and and or, you know, maybe even has some experience with their their hunger uh, and, yeah. you know, and training and goes like, you know, what, I think I'm good here. Can we just do this? Because this is fine to where you don't get to this place where you're like, you know, I just don't want to eat whatsoever. Now I'm taking in 500 calories a day, but I like to, you know, exercise and do all these things. 
is that just something that I mean, we're we're just kind of experiencing this, and there's not a lot of even um, as much examples and studies to go off of it. But because you have that like knowledge and experience, you were like, "Whoa, okay, I I think I'm good right here." Yeah, I think it was. I, I just happened to be lucky that I am sort of um, in that space. Like, uh, I have the knowledge. Um, I, I'm not sure. I've been trying to ask a lot of providers as far as how they do things because I know that now that I'm not in in residency the hard part is like I don't have like a cohort that I talk to on a day like I don't see people on a daily basis I don't like chit chat make small chat um so uh it I, I would be very curious to hear what other providers are doing um and I think that's something that I should probably um reach out and follow up on and try and see if I can come up with some answers because I am very curious about how other people do it because I've seen the, the few things that I've seen online um, in physician groups is they'll just, you know, follow the dosing schedule or they'll take them off. Um, there's not a huge talk about, um, you know, what having somebody stop at a particular dose or having, um, you know, or even the diet stuff. The diet stuff is just all over the place to the point where it makes my head hurt. So I don't even know how to even start like, you know don't eat protein, do, do eat protein, like it's okay. You don't really like just walk um, kind of thing, you know, so. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm going to get to that. But but there's <laughs> no, but I think this is a great conversation because people listening to this, whether it's somebody that wants to go onto it or a coach that's advising to, yeah. to say like, hey, maybe ask your practitioner that if, yeah. you know, if you got to a point where you're on up and you feel good, yeah. Um, and you don't want to take more to have that conversation because, I mean, it is, it you know, it is easy to go, well, that's the expert. I don't know. I'm just going to do what they say um, and and maybe get yourself into a place that's not the best for you. Right. So right. I think it's it's a good conversation. But but with that said, from and this is like the pure, you know, fitness coaching mind. Right. Yeah. If yeah. we zoom out and we're like, OK, this person, you know, is in some ways unhealthy and they're, you know, they're obese and they want to lose weight, they want to yeah. get healthier. And now we go, okay, here's all these lifestyle habits that are important for you to be healthy. Yeah. The sleep, the nutrition, we want to make sure we get enough protein. The person's like, hey, I do, you know, I, I want to get fitter. So I, I want to do some type of exercise and, and lifting weights, you know, in that. And, and again, I would even say from your experience, but also from people that, you know, or maybe have talked to consulted with a consulted yeah. What are the recommendations now that, you know, okay, I, I don't feel as hungry. Hey, let's try to get you 1,700, 1,800 calories per day and 130 grams of protein per day. And, you know, and lifting weights maybe a couple of times yeah. a week. Um, that Like that guidance when there may be a, I don't really feel as hungry now, you know, going about that. Yeah. Um, one, I don't uh, like... The fact that you brought up the, you know, maybe raising the calories um, example, like I haven't seen that. I actually just had a consult with um, with a colleague and, and friend about um, about these medications and about, you know, how to structure diets and that there may be some times where, you know, you're going to have to raise the calories because you got to get out of this deficit, you know, at some point. Um, and there, uh, the guidance isn't like it's just, you know, maybe eat a little bit more was little, the quotes. Um, and there's just not a whole lot of, um, you know, um, yeah, there was just like absolutely no guidance whatsoever mm. as far as like 
what to do, um, I, you know, and um, this is sort of similar to I was also very curious about how like bariatric surgery patients, um, what kind of guidance they're sort of given. And uh, it's sort of all over the place, like very few recommendations like, oh, here's this pre-op, you know, 500 calorie shake only diet. And then here's this post-op diet that's like semi-solid foods. And uh, yeah, just uh, hit your protein target. And um, if you do X amount of cardio, you can add a little bit more carbs to your diet, but you still want to stay low carb. And if you find yourself gaining weight a little bit more, go back to your pre-op diet. And I just, yeah, I was like, this is a, this is going to be a roller coaster for a lifetime. Um, You know, we need to, we need to figure out something else. Cause this is not like, I, you know, I was like, what are your goals? And she's like, I want to be able to like live a normal life. I'm like, yeah, I'd love for you, you know, to not have to like rely on shakes, 500 calories worth of shakes, you know, to, to, to get through the day. So, (laughs) um, I guess if, you know, somebody is really struggling with, you know, side effects and symptoms of like, I can't eat this stuff, really talking to their provider about like either decreasing the dose mm-hmm. um, or even considering uh, taking them off of the medication temporarily and seeing how that goes. Because I do know that some not everybody puts the weight back on and not everybody puts all of the weight back on. Some people put some of the weight back on, but it's not like a complete guarantee. It's a, maybe this is probably going to happen, but if it doesn't, that's great. Okay. So that this yeah. is, again, I'm, I'm uh, just off of this conversation. It's, it's making me think about things, which is, yeah. which is great because my, my and this is an example, again, example from um, started training a client two weeks ago, uh, a little bit of semi-private, but she's also my small group strength and, you know, came to me and said, hey, you know, I'm on the medicine. And I said, yeah. well, hey, would you just, just tell me through, you know, got two young kids also like yeah. busy um, and I said, well, would you send me like what you're eating? Right. Yeah. And she kind of like was like, well, I'm not eating a lot. Right. And, and I said, yeah. Hey, I, like, I'm not judging anything. I would yeah. just like to see what you're eating and like, yeah. let's figure out, you know, how to find like a sweet spot to where you have enough nutrients to be able to train, you know, strength yeah. train three days a week and you're active and, you know, let's just make, cause otherwise we're going to run into other stuff. Exactly. And I get the, you know, daily food and I'm like, Holy moly. You know, I mean, this is five, six, 700 calories at most, um, yeah. you know, not a lot of protein and, it, and again, my my thought there, based on what you said, is like yeah. maybe you know, because I'm like, hey, let's let's add some stuff to get you to. Yeah. I mean, if, if she's at you know twelve to fourteen hundred, she's still in a big def, you know, pretty right. big deficit. And so, right. how can we slide up a little bit? But then, if there's so much, I would say, um, if there's such a little desire for food, maybe that is a good conversation to go. You know, like, hey, I maybe I need a little bit less of this so that. I can get enough calories, protein and nutrients to fuel, you know, health and mm-hmm. performance for the things that I'm doing because training and cardio and all these things are, are part of, of health and obviously sustainable stuff. Um, it, because then I feel like if you do that, whether you do go off, you're in a much better place and position to oh, yeah. one, either maintain the weight off or if you yeah. do gain it back, some of it, uh, you know, right. You're still in a, yeah. in a you're net positive. Right. And right. I think net positive is a, is a great thing to shoot for. Um, but, but that brings me to, and like just from your experience and maybe, uh, I've, I've read enough about this, but, yeah. um, is the side effects, you know, the, the amount of people that have them, are they worthwhile or not worthwhile? You know, what was your experience on it as well? 
Uh, yeah, the uh, biggest side effect was the nausea. Uh, um, for better or worse, I decided that I was uh, really going to take my jujitsu to the next level, like around the time that I started this medication. And so I uh, walked <laughs> walked into walked into the you know my local gym, um, you know jujitsu uh, gym, and started rolling in gi. Um, so there were a couple of times where I, you know, really struggled to not throw up on my, my training partners. Um, but for the most part, uh, I got used to it with time. And I know that, um, I know that this has also been, uh, noted in, um, in literature and articles that, uh, with exposure, continued exposure to the medication, um, you, the side effects do subside. So, they do get better with time for some people, for a lot of people, for most people. There are always going to be some who are going to experience a whole ton of, um, you know, issues to the point where it's not um, sustainable and they really want to get off the drug. But I do wonder how quickly they were put on the medication and like what dosage were they at? Did they actually mm. have a positive response to their hunger? Um, or is it just sort of like, yep, everything's good. Let's move it on up and like move forward. So. Yeah. See, and it keeps coming back to that. That is like, I mean, just like anything else, I feel like, like training, right? Somebody goes like, Hey, I want to, I want to get stronger. And they've never done anything like, great. Let's get you in a six day split. Um, and it's like, you know, and then they might think this is not for me, mm -hmm. but maybe if you started with two full body days a week, that would be the right dose for you. Right. So it, it seems like a lot of that. And what what would be your for somebody that's considering this? I think this is a big the big question yeah. to like throw out the judgment because that's part yeah. of uh, both on the side of coaches for every coach that's listening and on the people that are listening that are like, hey, I I'm intrigued, you know, yeah. um, I'm yeah. thinking about it. Like, you know, what would you recommend, even from a standpoint of inquiring, you know, looking yeah. into it, which path to go? Again, to not be embarrassed or feel like you're going to get judged, yeah. but like, hey, you want the best for yourself. What would be your advice to them? I think I think the biggest thing is, um, you know, ask questions. And if somebody is going to pass judgment on you or, you know, not really give you the answers that, you know, you're looking for, I would say also look at a second opinion because there are times where I have felt like, I can't help this person. I, I think you should go get a second opinion here. Here's my colleague or here is a referral. Like I encourage you. And I think um, the that um, I think has been a lot more powerful to people. They're like, oh, this person doesn't have an ego. Like I, I don't for most of the time, <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> but it's just, you know, uh, there are sometimes like, I want you to get somebody else's opinion and, you know, make the best informed choice for yourself. So, um, if you are looking to lose, like, you know, if you're already pretty naturally thin and, um, you know, you're looking to lose that, like, you know, extra like five pounds or something, I don't know. I think a lot of people in the fitness space get worried that, um, you know, everybody is sort of already skinny and then just looking to like, get that like extra, the like edge. Yeah. that edge, um, it's probably, I don't think it's really going to help because you probably are like looking at pe most people, you know, fit people's physique. You're already, if somebody's already lean, you know, that extra edge is probably not going to make or break it for you. Um, you know, but I also, I, 
you know, uh, that would probably be my the only time that I would say, you know, maybe this drug isn't for you. Um, for a lot of people who are struggling out there with, um, you know, losing, you know, who are overweight or, you know, obese, um, I would say that it is definitely something to look into and something to, you know, consider, especially if it uh, the diet part and the hunger part has been a huge struggle, because I know a lot of people who can train, who can, you know, get to the mm -hmm. gym, get it done. Um, and the diet becomes a huge part of that. Uh, the other part to that is, you know, for some people who are overweight or obese, that extra weight makes it difficult for them to get to the gym. So to kind of help kickstart things, maybe mm. be helping them, you know, losing, you know, five, 10, the first five, 10 pounds, maybe that like, you know, spark that gets them into the gym. So it's not always necessarily like I have to do all these like good thing, you know, these moral, morally good things in fitness in order to get to this drug. So I think that's yeah. my biggest take home advice. Like the, the medication can be a huge part of a, a whole over encompassing like plan for people. And the idea of gatekeeping, just, uh, I'm just not really down with, um, because there are so many, you don't know everybody's experiences and, um, you know, that can be a huge benefit to, you know, most people, um, who are looking to lose weight. And in, you know, in honesty, like look, even my own struggle, and I, I kind of share this story a lot, you know, the first, yeah. I don't know, six, seven years of my career, you know, I'm very like, I know my, my, my training stuff, but when somebody would struggle, you'd go, you'd go to this, like, ah, oh, man, like, you know, your commitment's not there. Like, let's, you know, dig deeper for your why and like <laughs> what is going on, you know, of all the, all the bullshit, obviously, you know, yeah. and when I, I had my own struggles in life and um, yeah. it was those struggles that brought to light, like, oh yeah. And with food and with um, training, I'm good, but oh, look at this other shit showing my life that yeah. like, I know what to do, but why am I not doing it? You know, and I had to go right. to therapy and do a lot of these different things. And it made me a better coach. Cause I started, you know, going, I know what you feel, but in a different space. Yeah. And, and that was eye opening for me. And so what I don't want to do as a coach is go like, have this um, underlying thing that's like, no, 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 this is cheating, you know, and this is gonna, you're gonna get on this and it's a shortcut and it's gonna fuck you up. And like, you know, <laughs> later on, it's just, I, I don't want to be there, whereas rather I'd be want to be knowledgeable and say, hey, you know, maybe this is an option. And for me to have somebody that I feel very confident in referring to, yeah. because we're on the same page, um, from a standpoint of, you know, whether it's going to be the right dose or they'd be honest and say, Hey, maybe, you know, let's, it's not the right time or let's take you off or whatever it may be. That, that's what I want to get to, to then be able to help somebody that's like, I've been dieting for 12 years, you know, yeah. I've lost weight 11 times and, and gained it back. And like really truly see the struggle and be like, Hey, this person, this might be a good choice for them. Right. So yeah. that's my, even my own education through this. Cause it's so, so new, I think in the the you know the fitness world for the coaches and yeah. even I say for a lot of the people to, yeah. to to have to deal with this and again not be judged not be you know you go on social media and it's just like <laughs> you know one side yeah. another side you just get bad on and I like I like I like actually listening to a lot of what Spencer says too which um you know kind of like hey let let me tell you the the, the stories and like let, let's get this yeah. different viewpoint what, what you're saying is not all true and and so I I you know I love that part of it. And um, and I think these conversations help because it kind of yeah. destigmatizes things, makes people yeah. more curious, 
Um, and I'm not trying to pretend like I know all this stuff, you know, and it helps me be, be a better coach. And, you know, but with that said, what do you feel? And maybe just with the conversations that you have of like, you know, I think that all of our kind of hope and goals that we're working towards is how do we help, you know, the country as a whole get healthier, fitter, live longer. Um, right. And it's, yeah, it's obviously, it's a very complex question. And the way I look at it is like, how can I, um, influence my ecosystem? I'm sure you feel the same way that, you know, we can help kind of create a, you know, a ripple that creates waves that, that helps more people out. Where is, you know, where do you feel weight loss drugs are going? Um, and do, do you feel like hopeful about it? Yeah, I, I do. Um, ooh, I, I do. And yet uh, there are times where um, I'm not sure how to feel about it. Um, and, you know, I think the hard part about the fitness space is when they talk about the general population, I'm not quite sure it's the same general population that I, I've seen as a uh, physician. Yes. Because even even. I, I trained in um, the suburbs of Philadelphia and we had two separate clinics, one that was like sort of middle class, mostly, um, you know, uh, Pennsylvanian um, middle class working Caucasian. Um, that was one clinic. And then you would go 20 minutes down the road to Upper Darby. Um, and it's like, you know, um, countries that I actually had no idea existed in Africa. Like I straight up had to like, go, like, where is this, you know, from? And I'd always have the translator phone because I don't speak Bengali. I don't speak, you know, all like, you know, uh, my Spanish is very poor. Like I, you know, when I have like 12, you know, 16 patients on the, you know, for half a day and I'm like, I can't speak fat. I can't understand fast enough to make it like happen. So, um, so even those two clinics are so vastly different. And, and by the time people get to the doctor and it's like, man, you know, and I have to have that talk where it's like, you're going to be my weekly, you're going to be my weekly patient. Like I can tell for, you know, quite some time because blood markers are all over the place. You know, you're already showing signs of like, you know, nerve damage and like eye damage. Like, I'm not quite sure that's the same kind of uh, Mm. ecosystem or space where uh, trainers are talking on social media about like, I work with these people. It's like, no, you got to be really specific. You know how they were talking about like avatars and marketing? Like, you really have to be very specific about who it is you are talking to, because sometimes that that message isn't going to, uh, you know, work for this other group of people. Um, so I am very hopeful. I, I, I guess overall, I am very hopeful. There is a part of me that's a little, that is a little reserved and skeptical because of the things that I have seen in the hospital and in medicine that I'm not sure that these medications would actually help. I'm not sure. Uh, it, the, it's still up in the air. Um, there are people out there who, um, you know, uh, I'm not sure how to help them best other than when they come into the emergency room, like I can just only do so much. If that makes sense. I mean, and that's real, but like, I, you know, this is a very important point. We all live in a bubble, right? Like, yeah. And and I've learned that through, through time where I would go to different places and different events. And I'm like, Oh, the things that we talk about, they're thinking about something different. They're following somebody else, you know? And it's like, even though we, you know, it's like a, it'll be a, a group of coaches, like, you know, we know our shit. And then you're like, listen, we're talking to a small po- percentage yeah. of the population, right? Because even if you look at like people that have a gym membership, people that go to the gym, people that follow people on on 
social media podcast about fitness is yeah. a very small percentage of the whole population to have yeah. a you know a big health problem and it's like yeah. how do we reach more of those people and again by the way like you can have a show where it's just like you know we can fire up and inspire and motivate like i love this shit because this yeah. is real talk about how do we move things forward how do we help our clients how do we reach some people that actually probably need it the most right, right? um and I think that's the goal. It's like the infinite game and as Simon Sinek talks about, right? We'll, we'll die before we we achieve this. Yeah. But it's meaningful to, you know, to continue to work towards that, I think. And um, I like, I certainly like, honestly, like this conversation, by the way, like I'm a geek, so I'm going to dig into so much shit now that we talk. But it, it no, no, it's, it's, it's very helpful. What I would love to do, by the way, and, yeah. you know, is have coaches you know if you're a coach if you have a gym if you know if you're in a space at all finding doctors that you can connect with build a relationship yeah. with refer to have conversations where it doesn't you know it's not like egos but it's it's like how do we help this person um and look at like collaboration and team yeah i think that's one of the most important things i a long long time ago uh i've known spencer for a really long time and he was supposed to you know uh he was possibly moving to the Seattle area. I think that's right, right when they went <laughs> yeah. from Kansas to San Diego, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, dude, I have the room for you. You know, we got an office in house. This is going to be the best, you know, and then ended up moving to San Diego. But, but my, my vision really truly is yeah. like, if I could have, you know, cause we have physical therapy in house that we lease out yeah. to, we got all these different things. And I'm like, if I can have a, a doctor in house that, you know, under like believes in nutrition and lifestyle and training and strength training and all these, but like, but you can refer people to them and yeah. you kind of work in this collaboration. Oh my God. Like that gets me so excited Yeah. by the way. So if anybody that's listening and is in Washington state yeah. is in a Seattle area, you're a doc, yeah. hit me up <laughs> because it's, you know, it's, it's been very, very successful with the other yeah. parts of what we're doing. Right. And that's my dream, right? My dream is that because, and man, could we get, the whole country to kind of co yeah. collaborate in that way, it would be such a huge difference. And again, and not to have, you know, cause I, sometimes I see more bickering than I do um, okay. helping and being curious and understanding. And it, like, basically everybody wins if you do that. And yeah, um, yeah so that, 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 that's, that's kind of really like, you know, the more I talk about it, I get really, really yeah. fired up about that. Um, not sure if you're moving to Washington State anytime soon, but <laughs> oh man, <laughs> yeah, no, I was just, um, I was just uh, after that uh, Edmonton um, seminar, I actually uh, reached out to. I have uh, classmates uh, down, two of them down in Southern California around the Downey kind of um, area, and I was like, hey, here is this awesome trainer that I met uh, at, at Edmonton. Um, I think he, you know, works with athletes. He has like coached football. Like you should, you know, like consider referring him to, or trying to collab, maybe do a talk or something like that. You know, if you need anybody in that area, like he is in Downey, you should, you know, reach out to him. Here is his contact. And so it's just, you know, been really great to be able to start, you know, giving back and being able to connect people, you know, with one another, like really actually bridging that gap. Uh, between physicians and the fitness community, because there's so many things that I've learned from the fitness community that I'm super thankful for. Um, you know, so I just want to make sure that like people out there um, feel like they can actually, you know, get 
proper nutrition, proper training, uh, education, because we only get so much in med school. Like, uh, you know, it's a fire hose and nutrition is not necessarily one of them. So, you know, that doesn't mean that we can't, you know, continue to learn because that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to continue, continually learn, you know, as we as we move on in our um, physician careers. So just because we didn't get it in med school doesn't mean we can't learn it, uh, you know, afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I, I, re I really do think that once you go through what, whatever the formal education is in any field, it's like everything yeah. begins. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I feel dumber than ever and I know more than ever, but I, I think that's really kind of helped me, you know, to, yeah. to stay curious, which actually brings me to the question. I always, I, I want to finish things off by like, what, okay. you know, what, what is exciting you? Like, what are the things that, uh, and it might be multiple things, but what are the things that you go like, you know what, like, I want to go down this rabbit hole a little bit more and uh, really learn. And, and this is what I'm kind of really digging into right now. I mean, just uh, these, uh, the where, where we're going with this, uh, you know, the GLP ones, um, and then now with terzapatide, the the uh, dual agonists, and then now with retitrutide, the triple agonist pathway. So they've opened up the glucagon pathway. Uh, I think it's actually really gotten me keen to, you know, really go back and take a look at all of the uh, scientific studies that have been done on it, just from like a nerdy um chemistry standpoint i was about to say this is the chemist in you right here yep <laughs> i i really liked chemistry because it was like okay here's this molecule and we're gonna make it and here are these pictures and very few words in the journal articles they're way easier to do i don't have to worry about like patients i mean you know in the study i guess yeah. at least so um so just getting back to that and kind of seeing where we go like what are the different pathways um neuroscience wasn't my strong suit when I was in med school or even a science major. So like, how does that actually work? Like, how does that, like, how does this drug actually like work and like cause, you know, this blunt, this hunger effect that I'm, you know, not having anymore. Yeah. Um, that, so that's, see, that's the thing. Oh, when I was talking to my friend and we were, and he's, he's in the field, a very, very smart, smart guy. And he was like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't understand how, this food that a week ago I was looking at, I was like, Ooh, mm -hmm. and it's just like nothing. Nope. nope. Right. How yeah. does it happen? I mean, it's like, yes, we understand some mechanisms, but on, on a deeper level, yeah. I think that if you understand on a deeper level, probably you can influence where I guess even weight loss drugs are going and how yeah. to connect it all with the behavior change part. Right. Because, yeah. um, I mean this, and uh, maybe, maybe we'll finish on this, but like yeah. the part of like, okay, I am on this drug. I've been able to manage my hunger. Yeah. Uh, at this point in time, I get off of it. You know, how do we, how do we transition and like what happens? Cause there's, there's a chemical aspect mm -hmm. to this that now returns. Like does, you know, hunger return full force the way that it was before. Mm -hmm. How do I manage this now? You know, and like, do I stay on it for life? I mean, those are hard questions and maybe not things that you can answer, but um, you know, what, what are your thoughts around that part, at least right now? Cause I know part of, you know, digging into it is so that you can learn more about it, but. I guess, I guess right now is, um, you know, I guess really just making sure I I'm a firm believer in kind of preparing people for the worst and hope for the best. Cause I never mm -hmm. want people to feel si yeah. blindsided by, yeah. you know, bad news. So I like that. really making sure that like, Hey, gaining the weight is go is most likely going to be a thing. Um, and I want you to prepare for that. 
Um, you know, not everybody gains weight. There are some people who still maintain their weight loss and that's cool. But, you know, for the most part, most people gain some of the weight back. Mm -hmm. And so making sure that like you're okay with that. And I think um, if they have being if they have a good already a good foundation of all the behavioral stuff, like eating healthy, making sure to get their protein in. Um, I would almost treat it as sort of um, a mass phase in the sense of like, um, you know, mm. if we can at least get your hit your protein targets and if you want a cheat meal, like if you're really, you know, having some sort of structure to the cheat meal, like, you know, if you want to have a cheat meal on Friday, like go for it um, and really making sure to structure the training such that it promotes hypertrophy, maybe Um I guess that would be my best sort of um, advice at this point in time, given my experiences in uh, med school and residency where my diet was never the best. But the one thing that I always did was always really made sure my training was up to speed with like muscle building, you know, and maybe powerlifting at the time, like really trying to make sure that like I was, um, you know, doing as much as I can for what little energy and time I had in training. And so mm. that I think also just building that muscle has really helped me, you know, down the line, you know, recently being able to lose, you know, X 20 pounds, I guess, or I guess since 2021, it's been about whatever I start at 190. I'm at like 145 now and I'm comfortable. Uh, I think I was 155, 160 when I started the medication. So. Okay. So yeah, th th that's that's very helpful. I'm going to summarize just like what I yeah. hear for anybody <laughs> that chooses to 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 go on is to. I think it's a very important factor that the dose, because yeah. I feel like that if you get the dose seemingly right to where you can work on a bunch of habits like yeah. eating enough uh, protein, you know, calories. Just again, yeah. still being a deficit. And then build habits like exercise, things like that, so that when when and if you get off, that you have now brought up that uh, I, I get the bottom up, right? You're basically yeah. your baseline habits are now better. So yeah. even if you do have some weight gain, you actually are more in control of it. So that and that's again, that's that's very, very helpful. I think that's a huge help. And hopefully for anybody that listens to have those conversations so that you find what's right for you and not just. Um, you know, have that autonomy. Don't blindly follow, you know. Right, uh, right. Because, and I think that goes for just about anything. But yeah. um, I think it's very, very important here. So th this has been. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely gonna uh, geek out with you more because, like, yeah, I almost definitely. feel like we got to do this every six months. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, this was this was awesome. Like, would would you share anywhere people can find out about anything you're putting out about you? Um, oh man, get your info. <laughs> so that, by the way, if, you know, yeah. we're reaching out for a number of different reasons, but I, I really think people get a lot out of following you. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I'm really starting to just now sort of come out of my shell in terms of like putting out content and yes. stuff like that. Um, <laughs> so my Instagram is dr.crystal, C-H-R-I-S-T-L-E. Um, and I'm looking forward to really starting to put things out out there um, and getting my own, you know, kind of space. Uh, I do a lot of non-clinical stuff for Renaissance periodization. So, um, you know, trying to, yeah. Yes. <laughs> but I think now is the time to like, you know, uh, I've been meaning to put out more content um, 
for the website and for the company. But, um, you know, I've just been doing some other projects uh, in the meantime, but those are clearing up now. So good, because I'll be bugging you. So I'll be be bugging you about it. Definitely. For everybody listening, if you got a lot of this, my most important thing is if you got a lot of the show, please share it, uh, leave a review. I mean, especially again, if this is a topic, you know, your your friends, your family, anybody in your circle is asking these questions and are wondering about it. Don't even, you know, share it with them personally, because I think it will raise some questions for them, curiosity, hopefully insights that will help them make better decisions. Uh, And I think that's really, really powerful. So I always appreciate you sharing the show. Thank you so much, Krista, for being with us. This was awesome. And we'll see you guys in the next episode of the Vigor Life Podcast. Peace. Thank you. (laughs)